1: Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess.
0: Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday and happy St. <clears throat> Patrick's Day week. St. Patrick's Day is going to be this weekend, and it is a big New England holiday. This will be the extent of our celebrating, but here we are today, live in studio, and we are going to talk about pulling your head out of the sand today. But first, we're going to start with the quick tip of the day give it a shot. <coughs> I wanted him to pull the one whose head was in the sand out, but he didn't. Okay. My quirky tip of the day, Dave Garofalo is going to love this. I came up with this yesterday. Empty cigar tins. Great for holding your batteries, you guys. We happen to have a manners minder that we needed to replace. The remote batteries and the actual Manners Miner battery, so I have this new system for my batteries, empty cigar boxes and tins holding batteries. That's my quirky so tip for the
1: First up is to buy a couple cases of cigars, <laughs> a couple boxes, <laughs> and then, smoke them all up.
0: Well, I've had these sitting all around my house, and I didn't know what to do with them, so I was excited. All right, I also got Green River. You know more about this than me. You research this. What is Green River?
1: Uh, this is a regional beverage yeah, in uh, Illinois, is it, in the Midwest? I think it's
0: out of the Midwest, yeah. It's just and, a soda. Um, you want one, Chrissy? Sure. Okay.
1: 1919, they establishes caffeine-free. <laughs> it's uh, got real sugar
0: in it. Here you go. Happy St. Patrick's Day. They went Day. out of business Why, for a while.
1: You. Just insisted on it? this because right. of the, the green color.
0: Yeah. All right. So we're going to be talking um, some serious topics, but we're bringing a little levity here with our St. Patty's Day fun. Scotty's even got suspenders Cheers. on. I've never seen Scotty wear suspenders. Cheers. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Non-alcoholic, everyone. Made with real. I knew sugar. there was something
1: wrong with this. Oh,
0: it's kicky. Did you ta- <laughs> yes, it is. It's like a freeze pop that isn't frozen. Now I understand why they went out of business. Up. Yeah. No, all no. right. So
1: we love Green River.
0: Yeah. I actually don't, really do. Don't knock Green River. All right. We got an extra one for Chrissy. Chrissy's back. She was in Australia. We haven't been in studio for a couple of weeks. We're just getting the lay of the land again. So this has come about um, what, really what is, what most all of all about. Yeah. M- most of 2023 and the world of dogs. But even within this past month, I've just seen a lot of stuff online where some pretty big names just pr- seem a little bit out of touch or a lot of bit out of touch, honestly, with what's actually going on day-to-day in dogs. And Scott and I are seeing day-to-day in dogs. We have a lot of colleagues in the country, internationally, everything else that are doing day-to-day dogs. And the, the truth about day-to-day dogs is not necessarily what you're hearing and what's being spoken about. So we're going to get into the nitty gritty of that a little bit here today.
1: So whose head is in the sand? The influencers?
0: Um, well, a lot of the dog world. Uh, some of the influencers, I would say. And I, I'm happy for you guys if you guys are making a living based on sponsorships or based on membership programs and you know, you're know you giving your content out to people and you're able to survive like that in dogs. That's great. I'm not trying to knock that. However, I do think that it's important to get back to the reality of what's going on. Fly into some local agility competitions and see how dogs, there are behaving. Go to rescues. See how dogs in rescues are actually acting and behaving. Get an idea of what's happening day to day to day. What Scott walks into on any given day, it's scary. We have a dog in right now. He's a little bit of a jerk. He's he's a strong dog. He's got some true aggression. And we're the ones out there giving him his last like chance besides euthanasia. And that's the reality of our lives. I'm well,
1: really we sure. are seeing a lot of dogs with aggression issues. And we always have uh, extreme anxiety, just extreme cases. And... A lot of the people that are selling online courses and talking about how easy it is and, and um, they're not actually out there dealing with these difficult dogs and the people that, that I am dealing with on a daily basis are having trouble getting anybody else to even show up. Yeah, calling When they describe what's going on, either the trainers don't call back or they say we don't deal with that type of issue. Uh, I just saw a, a couple... Was it Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, I think it was. Yeah, Sunday. And they brought a pit bull mix that had human aggression issues. And I said, bring me the dog. I didn't want to meet him at their house because there's a territorial component. And I took the dog from him and worked the dog. The dog was workable. You know, there was no real unpredictable triggers. The dog was not bad. And um, so I said, okay, you know, I certainly can work with you and work with this dog. And... I said you had mentioned in your email that you had another trainer at the house and it went well and the and the person like didn't get bit. So I said, why don't you keep working with them? What happened? Well, they never actually touched the dog. They sat yeah. at the table and they spent an hour doing what they what they called a, re- a reset training. Reset training, which yeah. I have no idea what that means, but they didn't touch the dog. They didn't do anything uh, except talk for an hour, and it's not really easy to train a dog without having a leash on the dog and doing some training.
0: Yeah, and that's we get that a lot. I mean, the clients that are coming to us, they've often worked with other trainers. We had a pair of Salukis that we did last year. Their trainer in Martha's Vineyard told them that the dogs had sibling syndrome. There'd be no way that they could ever get these dogs trained. Like, we're coming up with a lot of excuses. We're saying a lot of things in the industry standard. A lot of people are recommending, oh, just go see a veterinary behaviorist and everything else. And then we're sitting here actually seeing the day in, day out, what's happening. Dogs with extreme emotional problems, dogs with extreme aggression, owners that really want to help these dogs, dogs that need vet care, sometimes really aggressive dogs that need to be euthanized. And then vets aren't euthanizing the dogs because they feel as though, oh, you haven't you know, looked into all these options. Maybe you should try medication. We're seeing a lot of different things. And The bottom line is it breaks my heart. The dogs that we're getting in, the cases we're seeing, what a lot of the majority of the country and some of Canada and everything else is starting to spill over into. It's not the same industry as it was 10 years ago, you guys. It's not just a doodle that needs you know, some help with loose leash walking. We're talking about very serious issues and we can point fingers at breeders and rescues and owners and trainers. We can point fingers all day long but it's important that we're all on the same page about the reality of what is occurring in our industry and how can we best help dogs and their owners because I'm telling you guys now more than ever, dogs need help. It is just straight up a thing that (laughs) they're not getting the help they need and a lot of people are suffering and they're looking for different answers and if behavioral euthanasia is the route you go, we support that and of course we think that that is a viable option in many cases but it seems to be a pretty quick place that we turn these days for certain things and it concerns us it just straight up concerns us at this point
1: yeah and i will say if you're a dog trainer and this is really beyond the scope of your experience dealing with these aggression issues and some extreme behaviors then yeah you shouldn't be jumping into it but refer these people if you can find yes. other trainers in your you know in your community that that do handle these type of issues and give these people the opportunity to work with somebody else rather than just ignoring them or you know, not return their call. Or, just or passing
0: them. them off, too. Yeah,
1: and the thing is, you know, people that can handle this, a lot of the older trainers now, they're, they feel like, oh, I've done enough of that crap, and they're you know, cherry-picking their leads. Well, I'm only dealing with labs that are pulling on a leash now. I don't need to deal with that kind of crap. Well, yeah, you don't have to. But those are the people that need us the most. Yeah. The people that have these big issues. And it's not fun work. It's not pleasant. When we get a lab in now that just pulls, it's like a vacation. <laughs> We're like, oh my God, it's a normal dog that yeah. just needs training. Isn't this nice? Yeah. Because we deal with a lot of extreme emotional instability and that manifests itself in anxiety or aggression or this, that, or the other thing?
0: I think that what Scott said is really the crux of where I'm at with this whole situation and what's most important right now is if there are cases that are beyond your scope of training please start going to meet with balance trainers have some coffee with balance trainers figure out what they're doing look at other people's reviews go ahead and reach out to a veterinary behaviorist if we could all start working together within the industry you guys it would be so much more helpful than pushing everyone away and throwing tools down and putting everybody under the bus like it is so unfair that the way that we're treating each other and clients and everything else let's cohesively work together what if a vet could call a balance trainer and say hey How does the dog seem in classes? What if a behaviorist could call a trainer? Like if we would have more open communication within our industry and flat up say like, hey, I'm not able to deal with this kind of thing. You may want to call them if you're interested. If we'd be more open and be better about referring, Scott does this quite often. If there's somebody that is totally opposed to using tools or something, he'd say, oh yeah, no problem. You can go and, you know, work with this company. I've heard good things about them. We would refer or people...
1: veterinary behaviors yes, that or, can use medication yeah, and whatnot. Like you can we try that. We're,
0: we're constantly trying to segue people into a path that will work for them. So do we want you to send us all your crazy cases and your horrible dogs and deal with this. No, No. we we have enough stress in our life. That's not (laughs) what we're saying. It's not one size fits all, but we need to be able to be reaching across the aisle and helping and supporting and referring every single way we can right now, because it is hard out there. Rescues are filling up again. And it is really, really now the time to come together, like making blanket statements. Like I would never refer a trainer who uses aversives is heartbreaking and it is harmful to our industry. Now that's all I can say is that now is not not the time to make a big stand on methodology when shit is literally hitting the fan in every single aspect of the way our industry functions.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I, you know, even 10 years ago, I was referred more by all positive trainers than I am now because of the politics behind a lot of these things. I was good friends with people that, um, were, force-free, for lack of a better description, you know, just all positive, didn't believe in tools. And occasionally they'd get a tough dog and they'd say, Scott, can you, I'm going to refer these people if you're interested. I can't make any headway with them for one reason or another. And I'd say, yeah, you know, let me, I'm happy to meet with these people and work with their dog and see if I can make any headway. Maybe I can, maybe I can't, I don't know. But now, and I used to get calls from these people that would say to me, I can't be seen in video with you because of the way you train and the way I train, and it would affect me negatively, which is such bullshit. But that's just the nature of, the, I guess, the politics and the marketing and all the stuff that goes on in this industry, where in the end, we all have the same goal, which is to help dogs and their owners and
0: I would hope so. I be hope successful. that's your goal. It's I not do. just
1: to become, you know, to accumulate followers on YouTube or Instagram or whatever yeah, it is. you know? And make
0: big money. I'm not sure what everyone's goals are, but Scott's right. Like it, if we could just work together, if we could be honest about what's beyond our breadth of, you know, knowledge and expertise and everything else, we are still learning how to deal with different cases day in, day out. We are changing our ways, figuring things out, what will best suit the dog, how can we best help the owner and everything else. And People are heartbroken having to give up their dogs because of tool bans in other countries. People are heartbroken having to euthanize their dogs because balanced training wasn't explored. People are heartbroken living with these animals that are truly incredibly difficult to live with. And I can attest to it. When they get to our house and I'm living with them, they're not easy and they are making efforts. But guiding people appropriately is important, you guys. Veterinarians that just refer all positive trainers right now, not helping the industry overall. Veterinary behaviorists. that would never call a balance trainer on the phone and be like, Hey, I heard you worked with this client a few years ago. Could you tell me a little bit about what you saw? I know you've been in the dog world for a while. I'd like to get your take on it. Let's, work together to help dogs and owners because it is a big, big problem out there. And I'm glad that your membership programs are growing. I'm glad that your followers are growing. I'm glad that everything is growing for you and your world. But we are telling you right now, day in and day out, dogs and animals are suffering and humans are suffering and families are suffering. And it literally kills me. It literally breaks my heart. So we needed to draw a little attention to this today.
1: Yeah, I guess it's just that the people I guess that we're seeing that are um not all of them, but a lot of these what I would call dog trainer influencers that have a very wide reach. They're able to communicate and get a lot of people listening to them are not out in the field working with dogs on a daily basis. They work with their own dogs. They may work with some select clients that have dogs that are at a certain level that they can help them get to the next level. And so there's a big difference between dog sports and client pet dog training just basic companion animals because that's where we're seeing a lot of the trouble the the dog sport people you know for the most part are purchasing a puppy specifically for the sport they're in they're raising that puppy if it's their first one with guidance to get to the sport they want to participate in and they're trying their best to take all the correct steps to so that they can do agility or they can do uh, AKC obedience or protection sports. And even doing all those steps perfectly or to the best of their ability, they'll have with their first dog, they'll have marginal success. They're not going to be typically not killing it, but they're going to have success. They're going to have fun. But typically, they're not going to have all of the problems that the typical companion dog animal uh, or owner would have, where most people don't do any training yeah. for two or three years. And then all of a sudden, they get big problems. Now they're like, oh shit. We got to get someone in here to help the dog bit the kid, the dog bit the mailman, you know, and or they adopt a rescue with extreme anxiety, real deep seated behavioral problems that can be helped. But Sometimes, it's, not yeah. always,
0: but yeah. And that that's it's it. Not it's not a two, quick turnaround. It's two different worlds. Scott's talking about a puppy that's intentionally bred with the purpose of doing sport. You're going on this journey. You're willing to invest time. You're you have time to invest, versus someone who just wants to get a dog, which you should still be able to just get a dog to be a family member. I I am full, you know, in support of that. These people out there with just pet dogs are suffering, you guys. Companion dogs owners are suffering. And we're hearing All this minutia being spilled out to all audiences everywhere. Just don't speak about topics you don't know about. There's plenty of things to focus on and talk about and everything else. When it comes to aggression, when it comes to anxiety, when it comes to some of these rescues, when it comes to these severe, severe behavioral issues, if it's out of your realm, please stop discussing it because it is in our realm and we are doing it day in, day out. We are putting ourselves out there. We are trying not to get bit. We are using every tool available to us to try to help dogs and their owners And it is a fight. It is not a game. It is life and death, you guys. This is not a game of any sort that's going on. We are sometimes dog's last hope, more often than not nowadays, and we have pretty good success considering that. So please respect those that are in the industry, in the field, in the thick of it, because it isn't just unicorns and butterflies. I promise you. I promise you it's not. All right. Let's go to break super quick, and then we'll be more exciting in the second half.
1: (laughs) Want to keep up with all the latest from the Quirky Dog Podcast like me and Murphy here? Then make sure you head
0: on over to the YouTube channel and subscribe. Or if you prefer to listen to The Madness, go on over to iTunes or Spotify and follow the Quirky Dog Podcast. And hey, while you're there, leave a rating and review and let them know what you think of the show. Until then, keep it quirky. All right, honey, what was the story that you're reading on the way over about dog, the most popular dog breed?
1: Yeah, the first time in 31 years.
0: Big change, people.
1: The Labrador Retriever is no longer the number one dog in the country Got for kicked out in the ownership. It is the French Bulldog.
0: Can you even believe it? Can the you even French French believe Bulldog. it? You Frenchy people out there, I, yeah, I commend you. Uh, try to get a healthy one, but it is the first time in 31 years we've changed our breed of choice. And I even, don't
1: think they're going to hold that spot for more than a year, <laughs> personally, because those dogs yeah. are, are a handful. Yeah, they're they not have, easy to deal. They with. They have a lot of drive. Yeah. Uh, they're go go go, yeah. and they can get broken easy. They have a, you got to keep an eye on them. Satanic
0: Frenchy scream that not everybody yeah. meshes with. They're real cute. Yeah. They're
1: cute, but they're they're a little higher maintenance than a lab. Yeah, careful I would of
0: think. them in the in the warm weather. They don't those brachiocephalic breeds. We got to be careful of them. All right, so getting back to our questions, um, we're going to try not to be so dumb, but this really is a topic that like has been keeping me up at night. Like makes me to the point where I could like cry.
1: Well, I'm not. Um, yeah, I feel. I feel pretty good about what I'm doing and uh, we have a good balance, you and I, in the house because right now we have a couple of very difficult dogs and uh, we're like 10 days in on these two dogs and we're finally uh, turning a significant corner where we're seeing that they're doing much, much better. But the first week, it's hard. It was just a friggin' nightmare, it's you know? Hard. So, you know, I always say to, to Jess, we're doing God's work, you know? This is. <laughs> he
0: does what we're talking and about. <laughs> it,
1: But it's true. I mean, it's like we're doing this to help the dog. This dog is suffering. We're doing this to help the people. The people are devastated yeah. at the thought of losing their dog. And this one dog that we took in, I said, listen, you can put the dog down now. The dog says, like 20 bites. I said, you can put the dog down now, or I can take the dog. I was willing to take the dog cause I could handle the dog. I said, I can take the dog for a month and then you still may have to put the dog down. I don't know. I really don't know what's going to happen here. Yeah. Uh, but I'll give it my best shot. I'll do the best I can with this dog. I had a feeling, if I didn't think I could help, I wouldn't take the dog. I had a feeling I could help. And they said, uh, we'd rather you take the dog. And then if we have to put the dog down that we've, At least we feel we've done the best we can. And the dog's getting better. I think the dog's going to be okay. I I do too. And there's not a lot of places
0: a dog like this can go. This dog has already been on Xanax. Not a lot of people in the country, not a lot of people in New England are going to take that dog. So when Scott and I are literally there in the thick of it, putting ourselves on the line, possibly risking getting bit and everything else, and I hear people that truly have not touched pet dogs for Five to ten to twenty, if, if ever, ever, if ever in their whole lives coming across as authorities, it does personally bother me. It does personally get to me. And, you know, you talk about this tunnel vision that we get kind of just in life, whether it be in politics or anything else. And we're seeing tunnel vision quite frequently in the dog world. And the question is, why is that? Like, where do we go? Well, if you just follow a certain organization, you're only going to get a certain perspective. If you just follow certain people on Facebook, that algorithm, everything else is going to feed you into a very certain mindset expand your horizons, you guys. Pick up old books. Look at different YouTube channels. Do not just get dead set on, this is what I do. This is my program. This is what I love. This is what I follow. Do that for you and your own dogs for sure, but keep expanding your knowledge. If you're an agility judge and you're really prolific in the dog world and everything else, stop by a shelter every time you go out for a judging assignment. Just see what's going on. Talk to people in these different states. Ask about the dogs that are medicated, ask and see if you can volunteer, like start reaching out into this other realm because there's a lot of suffering going on while everybody's just running around getting ribbons and titles and everything else. Like we need to be mindful of what the reality of our industry looks like. And I I, I don't know, not to get too tangential, but as far as the stuff about tool bands and stuff, it really does bother me from a personal level because A lot of our clients rely on tools like e-collars to safely live with their dogs. So now when we're talking about you know, changing legislation so our clients would lose tools. We don't need freaking tools to train our dogs, you guys. We're not concerned about that for our sakes. We can take our dogs places. That's not the big deal to us. But when we're talking dozens and hundreds of people over the years that have relied on these certain tools, and now the new thing in the country is to, oh, ban these. This is wrong. We can't have this. That literally kills me to my core, you guys. These people need these things. This is how their dogs are staying alive and staying safe in their home. And now the new thing is, oh, like, you know, Let's ban that cancel culture on the e-collars. Like it's, it's getting to be a little too much for me.
1: Another way of looking at that, um, tunnel vision analogy that you gave is just being breed specific. Yes. So if you only breed or not breed, but you only train border collies, you, if you're a good trainer, uh, and most people are not, or most people are good trainers. There are very few great trainers, but a good trainer that knows their breed are gonna do really well every time they get their hands on a young border collie. Yep. They know the breed, they know how they think, they know how they work. Same with a Malinois, same with a, a chocolate lab. Yeah, nice. You're a hunting dog, lab, yeah. you're a hunter, yeah. you get your labs out there and you look like a million bucks. Yeah. Um, but your experience is very specific to these breeds. And I this happened to me early on where I was training Malinois. And I was competing and I was, sometimes I'd win, I'd, you know, you know, it was a tough um, sport that I was in. And in the beginning, just passing the trials was an accomplishment, you know, and I thought I knew about dog training because I was training these Malinois and I was working with police dogs and I was working with all kinds of aggression. And that does not give a person the foundation to go out and work with these rescues that don't want to treat, don't care about toys, you know, come with all kinds of baggage And I really learned, you know, on the job as a dog. And I'm still learning, even with this dog we have in the house today, it's like we're learning, you know, have we ever seen a dog this difficult? And we're like, no. Like, this is, we're in new territory again. Yeah. And, but that's where we're learning, in the new territory. And just, you know, sometimes I'm questioning Jess, you know, do you you think, you know, it just like, it just just seems like it's going to get fucking better. What's what's up with this dog? And we're hanging in there and all of a sudden,
0: it does. It gets better. Yeah. And
1: the next day, like that that better session from the first day stuck. And yeah. it's a little bit better again. And yeah. that's what I tell the people. They're texting me. How's it going? And I'm like, it's a little bit better.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's that's good. It's yeah. not It's not the same or worse. It's yeah. getting better. And we're know? not
0: suggesting everyone deal with the super extreme cases. And we're not really even trying to wear that as a badge of honor at this point. We are honestly trying to help... People and dogs where we think that we can help. But what Scott's saying about you having a certain niche, that's awesome when you have your niche, but you get out of your niche and you really start the learning. You learn with pet dogs. You guys, you learn in the field <coughs> dealing with people that just want a dog to grow up safely with their children. And they have more than they bit off. They, they It's not that they bit off more than they could chew. They got a dog from a breeder they shouldn't have gotten. They got a dog from a rescue that they shouldn't have gotten. It's a mismatch for the family and. Our whole life is making mismatches work as best as possible for those people, because mismatches don't have a lot of options. They go back to the shelter. They're probably a mismatch in another home. They get euthanized. There's a lot of heartbreak there, right? People just want to get a dog enjoy a dog and have their kids grow up with a dog or have a dog in replace of their kids, whatever their choice is. And we need to be able to help them do that. That is really important that as dog professionals, no matter what kind of professional you are in the dog world, you are helping people to the best of your ability safely and happily live with the dog that they own for both the owner's sake and the dog's sake. So, so super important.
1: Yeah. And I tell people all the time that when they say, you know, they feel guilty about they're not training enough and this and that. And the reality is, the average dog owner doesn't get a dog because they're passionate about dog training. Yes. They don't want to be a dog trainer. They just want a dog that they can live with, that uh, isn't super difficult, that they can go for hikes in the woods and they can have some fun and get some exercise with and that the t- the kids can be safe with the dog. And I don't think that's too much to ask. And there are some basic you know, um, control issues that you do need to have, but it shouldn't be this full-time... Yeah hundred percent, you know, every waking these, moment policing these, this dog yeah. and what's going on here what's going on there.
0: Some of these protocols, some of these procedural things that are recommended, people don't have time for. Like people didn't get a dog to quit their job and have a nanny raise their kids now and deal with little behavioral problems. They need as many ways to help as possible. And if by chance you're listening to this and you're like, Hey, my life is pretty easy. Like I like my dog. I don't have any issues with the dogs I see, whether you're in the industry or not. How could I maybe help? One reason, one thing I'm going to say, and this is important. If you are dedicating your time, your money right now in dogs, please be conscious of who and what that is towards. Okay. Because if you start looking at the way certain organizations and everything are going, sponsorships, PETA's involvement is getting great in things. Be very conscious of where you're channeling your time and your money when it comes to dogs. Be very conscious that it is an organization that you, you have integrity in, that you feel is backed, that you understand everything about. And literally, if you can... Go out and volunteer at a rescue, like volunteer at the shelter. I'm going to a contact a shelter in Massachusetts about trying to come once a month on top of everything we're doing just to get myself back out into the field. Next week, we're doing a podcast episode with Rachel Sample, who is an entertainment person and a Chicagoland dog trainer who's working very intimately with rescue. And we're going to talk about this more frequently. But the rescue scene is hard right now, okay? You guys, it is not easy out there. So go. Roll up your sleeves, get out there, and see if you can see what's going on. See if you can help. Just get involved. Maybe you can't help because of different tools or there's different regulations for who can volunteer there. Just get a little more enmeshed in it because I'm telling you, it is not as pretty out there as some people make it seem like behind a computer screen. And we really do want the best for dogs and owners in our country and really worldwide, honestly.
1: Yeah. And I will say, if you're a, a pet owner, not a dog trainer, not a dog professional, And you're dealing with some difficulties. You know, a lot of this is that you you really need to kind of toughen up a little bit too. I was talking about this with Jess because we have a young... We've had some puppies and, you know, younger dogs that have had potty training issues and, you know, crate training issues. And people wind up just taking the easier route very quickly And it's just, having a puppy is a pain in the ass. That's just the bottom line. I don't care how, now, my, I've been very fortunate with, uh, here again, I was going to say I've been fortunate with my dogs. I bought purebred dogs, purebred puppies. I knew exactly what I wanted out of them. They were on a course of training from day one they came in the house. So we're getting dogs in that are several months old, where people just, the dog peed in the house once, or maybe three or four times. They're just putting pee pads down. Now the dog pees in the house on a regular basis. Things just start getting
0: unraveling, unraveling
1: because it was an easier choice at some point. But now it's becoming a harder thing to fix. And everything is getting more and more difficult to fix, you know?
0: Yeah. No, so, that is a good it's point. It's just
1: not fun. Leaning
0: into the pain early yeah. does often yeah, help things Get, later. Jess gets
1: up at six in the morning and lets this puppy out every morning. I mean, it has to be done. Yeah. It's not an option. It doesn't matter if it's a frigging snowstorm out at 6 a.m., this puppy has to get outside to pee because yep. it can't go till 6.30. Yep. That's what we're doing, but that's what you got to do. Yep. If you have a puppy and you don't want this puppy to pee in the house, you got to get up, you got to regulate food and water, you got to get them out early, you got to get up at... If you go to bed at 10... You may have to get up at midnight, let the puppy out, go back to bed, and then get up at 6. Yeah, Mm -hmm. some
0: of it is a little bit of tough love, but a lot of it, too, we're seeing with these owners, they are trying, they are looking for resources, they are doing all the Google searches, they are following all the big influencers and dog names and everything else, and this mystical magic that some of it make you sound like it's not that easy. It's really not that freaking easy. So let's give pet owners and these dogs and everything the best possible freaking shot right now, you guys. They need it. They need support. We get up here every week and we try to give you the best information that we have to relay to people. We try to be as judgment-free as possible to other industry professionals and other people out there trying to work with their dogs. If you have a dog at all and you're trying to do anything, let's support that. Let's, Let's congratulate that. Let's be excited about that. Let's stop bitching about how our clients suck. Let's stop bitching about how breeders suck. Let's stop bitching and let's start helping because I'm telling you there's help that is needed. And Pull your head out of the freaking sand, legitimately. Here's sand. We got a sandbox. Cousteau has his freaking new vest. Scott got a weighted vest for him that has we th-
1: sand, th- that sand in it. Oh my God, he looks go smiles. Out for hikes. He I loves I got his. my backpack with weights Scott in it. has his, got his rocking backpack.
0: backpack. Scott, oh my God, the backpack boys, they leave. But we got a bag of sand from that. We didn't even have to take sand from York Beach. This is so important right now, you guys. If you have your own communities, if you have your own online presence, everything else, get outside of that and see what's happening elsewhere. Go travel a little bit, jump into the, on, uh, in the in-person training and see what's going on. Please, 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 please. Because we're literally going through the thick of it every single day. And ask yourself if you happen to be a force-free trainer, an R plus trainer, or whatever way you want to label yourself while you're listening here, ask yourself why it can't be an option to ask the person to give their dog back to rescue, to see if they're considering behavioral euthanasia or to refer out to a balanced trainer. Why can we not add back in, referring back out to balance trainers? Let's work together cohesively in this industry to help dogs and owners in every way possible. Did I get sand everywhere?
1: Not at all. Okay. I just right, like great. to be tidy.
0: We hope that you guys have um, a very happy and safe St. Patrick's Day weekend. If you're going out for the green beer, the Irish car bombs, anything else, be very, very careful.
1: Make sure to go home and let your dog out to pee, (laughs) and then go back out to the bar.
0: All right, guys. Next week, Rachel Sample. We're going to be revisiting Rescue. And in the meantime, keep it quirky. Happy St. Patrick's Day, guys.